The Secrets of Middle-Earth is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Middle-Earth, where we discuss the hidden themes and deeper layers found in the works of J.R.R. Tolkien, whether in his writings or in any of the media derived from them. Happy Hobbit Day, everybody. I'm your host, Thomas Salerno, and joining me today is Jeff Hecker. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Thomas. And Thomas Sanjurjo. Hey there, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. And be sure, everybody, to follow The Secrets of Middle-Earth in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast directory or app of choice. And you can also find us on social media, where we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media. Or on Twitter, where we are at SQPN, and also on Instagram, where we are at StarQuest Network. And don't forget to get your your uh, Secrets of Middle Earth merch, whether it's our T-shirt design, and the design also comes on mugs and mouse pads and everything you can think of. So go to sqpn.com/slash/merch. Now today we'll be reviewing. Um, actually, I don't know if this is the first Tolkien film adaptation ever, but it certainly is. is it? It's certainly the oldest that I'm aware of, but it's the 1977 animated Hobbit movie by Rankin and Bass. Uh, We thought that, you know, at the time this episode is going up, it's September and September the 22nd is Hobbit day. So what better way to celebrate than talking about the original, I guess, Hobbit movie. From 1977, uh, the film is streaming on Max, and it can also be rented on or purchased on other platforms like Amazon or or others. Um, there, there's also a copy of it available on Archive.org um, if you're right, in, yeah. if you're in, into downloading stuff like that. And it's like, I mean, it's, it's it's out there. I don't think I think I don't think anybody owns it anymore in the way that you can like have a oh, copyright on it. So huh. it's just kind of there. That's interesting. <laughs> And of course, um, it is Hobbit Day on September 22nd because that is the birthday of both Bilbo and Frodo Baggins. So it's a it's like Tolkien fans get two holidays during the year. We get Tolkien Reading Day on March 25th and also Hobbit Day on September 22nd. So and and I'm sure there'll be fans will find ways to add more Tolkien celebrations (laughs) throughout the rest of the year. So I did. Did quickly look up. There was a motion picture adaptation of The Hobbit was a 1966 short film of cartoon stills. And then there was there's been radio dramas before the film. So, yeah, but I don't think we're going to review a 1967. (laughs) (laughs) If we can can find that, I think that's that's a that's a quest equivalent to the ring there. It's about 11 minutes. It's 11 minutes. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) The dragon is named Slag, apparently. And there's a princess, Mika. What? Um, <laughs> okay. Well, what is occupied. this movie? <laughs> we might have to look into this. Interested. I guess it doesn't seem licensed because I'm quickly just reading and there's the mountains are occupied by Grablins, uh, who <laughs> Bilbo finds Golooms Lake. Um, there's there. It's Torin Oakenshield, not Thorin. Um, hmm. Hmm. What country was this made in? That's uh, that's the real question there. <laughs> let's see. 
I think uh, I think the I think the U.S. Yeah, it was by an American uh, huh. like artist, I guess. But but obviously they they didn't have the rights, so they were trying to change things, yeah. so they didn't get into Just like enough. legal hot water or, or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so. But as, as for this movie, though, <laughs> uh, Jeff, you you wrote in our notes that the animation was actually done by a precursor to Studio Ghibli. Yeah, it was. I had no idea about that. Yeah, so it was the the company was um, Topcraft, who was I think it was split in. I, I'm not a, an expert on the history, but I think it was split into two, with some elements going to another company and another el- some of the other elements going to um, Ghibli. Them so, but yeah, some of the I think the animators were the ones of that Ghibli took were animated this movie. So, if we had a Studio Ghibli like. Tolkien oh, adaptation oh, that uh, would be amazing. No, I'm not even going to I'm not even going to dream of that cuz that's <laughs> just <laughs> that would be that would be too awesome. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's good enough like seeing this one uh if anybody who's familiar with Ghibli like when the when smog comes out at the end and is flying around uh the town and uh and burning it down you feel the Ghibli coming through on that like the mm. the whole design of smog and and the way that he moves and everything it's just very Ghibli-esque. Yeah, see, I'm I'm not as I'm not as familiar with their catalog, so it's like I'm not gonna notice stuff like that. But like, but like now that you mention it, Smaug's design is very like that kind of anime. Mm-hmm. Like yep. now that I think about it, yeah. And apparently, there's there's some notable voice actors in this movie too. Yeah. Very much so. Um, it's uh, well, I mean, anybody who's seen any other Rankin Bass stuff is going to be very at home you're going to feel very at home if you've seen like the um twas the night before christmas or um uh if anybody who's seen thundercats you're gonna feel right at home with this oh yeah <laughs> a lot of this yeah, series don messick don messick did ballin and he was the voice of scooby-doo and, and other hannah barbera mm-hmm. stuff so um i didn't i looked up some of the other ones and this i was most familiar with him but uh but yeah a lot of them were older voice actors because this is it's almost 50 years ago that this came out, so. Right, yeah. Now, Je- then, uh, Jeff, you had a plot summary for us. Yeah, I did. And the, I just also wanted to note the other actor I, I recognized was the actor who did the Grinch song uh, from Your Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Was, oh. He was the voice of, like, goblins and townspeople in this, so he huh. had more of a background role, but, but yeah. that was something I found interesting. But, uh, but yeah, so... For the plot synopsis, I mean, it follows pretty much the Hobbit plot, so we're assuming a lot of you are familiar with the Hobbit, but if not, here's a brief summary. Uh, Bilbo Baggins is recruited by the wizard Gandalf to assist the dwarf Thorin and company in reclaiming their lost home, the Lonely Mountain, from the dragon Smaug. During their adventure, they visit Rivendell and encounter trolls before Bilbo is separated from them uh, in the underground. He meets Gollum in the dark underground and riddles with him for the promise of leading him out, but he finds Gollum's ring instead and escapes, while everyone else is fighting goblins. The company is reunited and saved from orcs by eagles, after which they encounter spiders and elves in Mirkwood, and after they escape Mirkwood, they meet men in Lake Town before arriving at the Lonely Mountain. Smaug awakes and burns the nearby Lake Town before being killed by the archer Bard. And as the men of Lake Town, to whom they promise a share of treasure, their assistance arrive to claim it so do elves orcs uh, more dwarves and eagles for the battle of the five armies the orcs are defeated however thorn is mortally wounded 
Bilbo leaves the mountain and travels home to the Shire. And there's no romantic subplot between a dwarf and an elf. <laughs> uh, thank goodness. This movie is very much Cliff Notes, The Hobbit. It's only about an hour and 20 minutes long, if that. And I was at, well, we'll get into this more later, but I'm actually surprised some of the stuff that got left out. Um, yeah. I, well, why 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 does Bjorn get such short shrift in all of these Hobbit adaptations? Oh yeah, what the heck? what the heck? Yeah, where was Bjorn? It's you know, like if you're gonna cut out one, I mean, I guess if you're gonna cut out one thing, you know, that's mm. it's an easy one to cut out because there's not really anything there. But um, yeah, that was just kind of that was unfortunate. <laughs> well, one thing, so just to kind of start at the beginning, the one thing I thought was really interesting was the opening text in the opening picture it was mm-hmm. talking about the oh, planet yeah before this when this planet was not yet ancient so they're they're calling it a planet already and then they said before men recorded their history which after thinking about it, is kind of funny because the lord of the rings and and the and middle earth have a lot of recorded history yeah not by not by us so i thought that was just a kind of a funny like inch beginning there um, calling it a planet was not very Tolkienian. Yeah. Like he wouldn't yeah. like he, he doesn't use that word in the Well, it says in a hole in the ground lived a hobbit, and then it immediately goes into the, the before this planet was not yet ancient or whatever it says. Right. So. Have have either of you seen this movie before this point? Oh or was yeah. this your first thing? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> this was probably the first Lord of the Rings material I ever saw. But I saw it pretty much right before seeing Peter Jackson's fellowship because when oh, wow. in yeah in 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 the run up to that coming out like I had gone out and and gotten the books I had read them I became a huge Tolkien convert like right away and um my my aunt who who sadly passed on a, a few years ago she learned that I was into Tolkien stuff so she started looking around for like you know gifts for Christmas and birthdays and whatever and so she got me both this movie and the uh, that Lord of the Rings movie that squishes together Fellowship and the Two Towers mm-hmm. by yeah. um, Bashki, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. So she it's got technically the same studio that did like uh, oh. like everybody differentiates the two of them, but it's it's really like the same group. It's the same studio. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. she got me those two, and I'll, I'll always remember that. And I I, I think that. that they had DVD back then, right? I think they were on DVD that I had them. I doubt but, that. I oh, it, I then, it, then it was on VHS. I guess. Yeah, I think it was a VHS. Yeah, because okay. I had I had the VHS uh, of it, and um, I had these I had these when I was growing up, and like really? it's one of those things where yeah, this is this is so deeply ingrained in my soul, like having watched nice. this as a kid that. I can't not sing the goblin songs when. when oh, I love the goblin songs. Yeah. Down, so, um, down to goblin. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm sitting there with my kids, like singing, and my kids are looking at me like, how do you know this, dad? And then, <laughs> <laughs> it's like brilliant. Because it's, it's been years since I've seen this movie. It's been, uh, man, it's been decades since I've seen this movie. But there's mm-hmm. those, you know, a lot of it still very much sticks with me. <laughs> Wow. See, I'd actually not seen this before, so I was that was one of the things I was excited when you, in, after the the season of Rings of Power, I was thinking of ideas. It's like this would be a fun one, it gives me an excuse to go and actually watch these because I I knew they were around and I've seen like yeah. clips and bits and pieces of them, but I've never 
sat and watched the whole thing. So, and it it was great for me because you know it was kind of a nostalgia thing. Got to think of mm-hmm. think of my aunt again. So, Aunt Karen, this episode is for you. <laughs> if, if you're up, if I, I know you're up there listening to these episodes. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but um. But yeah, it, it 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 brought back memories, but I was also surprised how much I forgot mm-hmm. in like in terms of like just little moments. And I but it was it was fun watching it again. I'm sure Thomas you had the same thing where it's like, "Oh yeah, you know, after mm-hmm. you've watching a movie that you haven't seen in a long time." Definitely. No, it, it was great. And I think um, <laughs> the Elven King and just the elves, the wood elves in general. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so funny. Has green green has elves. With the, with the little tree branch on the throne. Oh, their hats. They looked like something out of Legend of Zelda, kind of. Oh, like yeah. Well, and, the, and the legs, like, why their legs are like three quarters of their body. Like, what is going why? on? But, like, but they look so different. From Elrond, uh-huh. who's also supposed to be an elf, because they it's mentioned very it. cool, like Elrond's thing with the glowing stars around his head. That was I'm not sure neat. what's up with that, but that was cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it looks like it looks unwieldy, though. Yeah, like if you try to go through a door with that, <laughs> if it's like too wide, it'll get. Well, he's an elf. He'll like, figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> it's got that natural grace. What, what did you? uh Jeff, in particular, since this is your first time watching, what did you think of the the very stylized animation and the the, the character designs and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I like I'm a big fan of animation of of all kinds. Both like I still watch shows that are made for kids sometimes, um, and I really liked it. Like, and it looked really cool. And uh, I mean, some of the some of the things they did were interesting. Like when the like I didn't get a chance to watch it again, but I guess instead of showing goblins and things being killed, they show like the sword and the sparkles and and that it, means uh, that the enemies spin around like they're being yeah. flushed down a toilet when they <laughs> die. You, you know, you, you know that you've shown your kids way too much stuff when you're when your uh, five year old looks at you and goes, "What is happening here?" <laughs> <laughs> and you have to explain they're dispatching them. That's it's yeah. they're getting rid of them. Right. <laughs> Because he's expecting them to like you know full on like okay yeah let's let's fight let's let's yeah let's but then later later Smaug is like burning the town and you don't they they don't I feel like they save they may have saved their budget for that or something I don't know but <laughs> right they like you see the the people jumping into the water and like yeah so it was just it was, interesting it it was so weird because like th- this movie I feel like is so memeable but you don't see any memes of it. I like <laughs> at least I don't like I, I think Rankin Bass fits in this um in this weird pocket universe that's just kind of like there's so much that you could just take from these movies and like go this is just bizarre but they're just so weird <laughs> that you yeah. can't quite do that with them <laughs> I, I just love that much otherworldly <laughs> I love that Bilbo has a catchphrase in this movie uh-huh. <laughs> bless my soul you know, like <laughs> He says it, I think, more definitely more than a few times. That was, uh-huh. that was funny. <laughs> or I love when he he figures out that the ring is magic and can turn him invisible. And he goes, how convenient. <laughs> and <laughs> that was the one moment I, re- I remembered very well, because I, I've often used that as like my own personal meme. When something <laughs> fortuitous happens, I go into the Bilbo voice and I'm like, how convenient. <laughs> 
It's just did he so say, weird. Did he also say like "Oh bother" or was, "Oh bother"? Yeah, he, the Winnie the Pooh thing. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is very Bilbo. To be fair, like yeah, if you were going to pick a character to model yourself after, I think uh, Winnie the Pooh <laughs> would be a great yeah. one to model for a Hobbit. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I like uh, I, this movie is one of those that's like the the style fits very solidly as its own thing. Like there are not many movies like this and, and it's almost instantly recognizable as a Rankin-Bass movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, to anyone who's seen Thundercats, you, you get that same the same feel where there's these really dark silhouetted backdrops and the bright, vibrant characters in front of them. And um and all of the actions happening in in these really interesting settings that that make you feel a part of what's uh happening and then the craggy faces that's my favorite yeah. part of the tour now that you say thundercats yeah. i can see it <laughs> yeah. yeah when you go go back and watch it again and you'll be like oh mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah definitely thundercats 100 the goblins for sure like they, they look just like the um the mutants from thundercats like oh right. yeah 100%, yeah here we go i think um, probably my favorite character design is Gollum. Yeah, yeah he's really... so distinctive in mm-hmm. this. Well, I was gonna say, yeah, he looks more like he looks more like a frog than yeah, than a mm-hmm. hobbit. So like, they, it was just it, uh, I liked how they kind of went. I mean, they didn't go a different. They, they went this direction, whereas you know Peter Jackson went for the more you know actual human like or you know hobbit like thing. But he was like very reminded me like of a big frog because just the mm-hmm. face was so wide and stuff and. And the voice actor does a fantastic job with Gollum. And yeah, I love like, how like he's so he's so frenetic and crazy sometimes. Like when, mm-hmm. when he's coming back, he's like, find it, find it, find it, find, it, find the baggins, find the baggins, find, find it. And I'm just like, <laughs> like the, yes. The I love over the yeah. yeah, the screaming. We hate it. It's <laughs> great. I was laughing through that entire sequence. It's, it's good and the riddles i like i like the way they did the riddle they, they have the riddle back and forth and then they do the one riddle as a song just kind of the, the, the darkness, darkness riddle, riddle yeah as a song just kind of passing out and then coming back to it and you you get this feeling like they've been through this really dense riddling back and forth and mm-hmm. you know bilbo's just finally run out of uh <laughs> run out of riddles uh it was weird Gollum just kind of gives up he doesn't even try to guess what's in bilbo's right. pocket <laughs> he's like <laughs> Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, is it tasty, precious? I just, I love that that several of the actors who have, well, yeah, this guy and then Andy Circus both do this. Uh, it's very different from mm-hmm. Andy Circus's performance, but it's similar in the sense that it's very over the top in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah, the voice, the voice of Gollum was a um, a comedian. Um, known for kind of like rambling stream of conscious monologues. So he oh, was, that makes sense. His name, he was, he was known as brother Theodore, but his name was like Theodore Gottlieb or something. And mm-hmm. yeah, he was like a pretty famous comedian in the, in the sixties, uh, I think in the fifties maybe, but yeah, that was, and what I like, what was interesting is seeing, you get to see Gollum's home. This mm-hmm. little, Cause I don't think it's oh, described yeah. in the Hobbit, uh, in the book you, but you see this little, like, cause you always kind of imagine, I was kind of imagining he had to like, some kind of a, a tent or you know something so that was really like and it looked just as gross as you think it would <laughs> <laughs> like raggy raggedy cloth and you know probably very dirty and smelly in there so just random cast off stuff from bones orcs. and yeah, yeah leftover right food yeah and, 
it, it was weird though how they and i guess just for time well no it's such a, sh a brief moment i don't know why they would have to cut this for time but they don't have the dilemma where bilbo is deciding whether or not he should kill Gollum. he just jumps over him and runs away yeah <laughs> <laughs> they 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 cut down on a lot of uh a lot of the darker aspects of it, which mm -hmm. it, it's kind of unfortunate because I think that's one of the things that makes The Hobbit such an interesting book because it is a kid's tale. It is a child's tale. That was the whole purpose that uh, Tolkien put to it. And it, it addresses some of these issues, some of these very borderline dark, very difficult issues. Uh, you know, the, the Battle of Five Armies at the end of this movie is the three armies immediately team up against the goblins and it's like right no, yep that that's not how that went down <laughs> <laughs> you know it was a battle of five separate armies really kind of all fighting each other so you know that's a it's kind of an, an interesting you know like it, it's it's a a little bit of a of this is like a watering down of an already sort of child's tale um but the interesting thing too, too is they made some good uh, some some choices here that i like that the Peter Jackson Hobbit movie did not, which is um, Thorin's an old man. Like he is right. beyond his prime. He's in his agedness. And this is almost like you get the sense that this is a fool's errand for an old man who's just kind of become nostalgic and grumpy and, mm. um, you know, wants wants to go back and give one last hurrah. And then you've got a bunch of other dwarves that are sort of in that same boat and Porphyrian Killy who... <laughs> <laughs> Who knows why they're there? They got nothing else going on. Um, whereas the Peter Jackson movie makes the choice to have him be much younger. And um, I don't know that we get an age for Thorin. I, I mean, I'm sure in the appendices, there probably in is. the appendices somewhere. I think he's quoted as like just under 200 years old. OK, so he's really not particularly. He's old. like middle aged for a dwarf, yeah. I think. So it's midlife crisis. <laughs> there we go. Okay, that that fits. I like that. And but they never really play with that in the Peter Jackson movies, which is no. something that I always liked about this movie. I got that sense of him being a grumpy old man and you know trying to go back and fulfill a destiny that he feels called to that he's ignored his whole life and is finally like coming back. It's finally around. getting around to it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought it was funny just to go back to when they first started at the very beginning, too, that they just like all pop out of the bushes and get all <laughs> right. instead of having like the one by the, you know, the one by one, two by two knocks on the door. They're just like Gandalf's like, and here's these dwarves and they all just kind of pop out and say, surprise, we're here. Um, but they still I and I guess I I don't I'm not as familiar with like or have the text as probably memorized as y'all do, but hearing the songs at the in mm. in Bilbo's house mm. is like very it it can definitely see it seems like Peter Jackson took inspiration from those when at least and I don't know if there's if if uh, Tolkien ever put put like music to these songs or if it was only just the text but um it sounded very like that's one thing that Jackson did did write from the from the mm. uh <laughs> in the Hobbit films was kind yeah, of the was, songs you, you seem very similar to these or the songs seem very similar to this so yeah i i have uh i have heard that somewhere there is uh tolkien having done musical accompaniments or been involved with people having done musical accompaniments for these songs but i have not for the life of me been able to find them which is i would love it <laughs> i would absolutely <laughs> love to have something like that but this to me will always be the um 
the song of the dwarfs. I like I, I can't not sing this when I get the text put in front of me. So when I'm the Lonely Mountain, song? Yeah, the Lonely Mountain song. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm when I'm reading to my kids I, and I'll try, I'll try and sing the Peter Jackson version and it will uh, not happen. It always defaults back to this one. <laughs> I in, in that scene where they're singing together, there's a, there's an interesting exchange between Bilbo and Gandalf that I really liked. And I don't think it's in the book where the, the dwarves are singing and Gandalf says, there's magic in that music. Mm-hmm. And Bilbo <laughs> says, and it moves through me. Gandalf says, you feel the love of beautiful things. And Bilbo says to go and see the great mountains and hear the pine trees and the waterfalls. And Gandalf finishes to wear a sword instead of a walking stick. I just love that little exchange. And it seemed it seemed very Tolkien, even though I know it's not mm-hmm. him. Those lines are not in the book, but it, it seemed so fitting. Like and as you know, that that Bilbo He's he's going through that transition where he's starting to think, maybe I do want to go on this adventure that secretly all these years I've been suppressing this desire to go out and see the world. That was probably my favorite little moment of the movie, and I had completely forgotten that it was in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's, uh, it's not a Hobbit thing. And that that's, I think, the, the interesting thing about the whole choice of Bilbo as a thief is very odd and it's very Gandalf in yeah. that sense that uh uh fate <laughs> you know for for lack of a of, of a better term I, I mean you you can go so far as to say it's the you know it's the will of uh Eru that that this is this is the way things will be right but um because I think that's I think that would fit right that that fits uh very much with who Gandalf is and what he's there for but at the same time like why pick a hobbit? You know, like mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense for him to pick well, a hobbit. Yeah, well, I, I mean, they don't talk about it in the film, but isn't there something from Tolkien where the reason he was he picked a hobbit was because the dragon wouldn't recognize the smell of of a hobbit? Hmm. I yeah, I, that I, I vaguely like that. remember that. I always thought that was kind of a pretense. Okay, I mean, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, here, here's my kind of BS <laughs> explanation of why you need to take this guy. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very possible. But yeah, that's it's not in the movie for sure. I know so. in the unfinished tales, there's a bit called the I think it's called the quest of Erebor where they go deeper into Gandalf's motives. Mm-hmm. But it's been so long since I've read it that I I, I don't remember most of it off of hand. But it, I, I do remember that that goes deeper into Gandalf's why and part of it the part that I do remember was that he had some sort of premonition Mm -hmm. that it it needed to be a hobbit and that specifically it needed to be Bilbo yep and that and like there's a bit that I remember where he's he's talking to Thorin and he's like look I am he's like I am telling you this needs to happen and I can't explain it any better than saying it needs to happen. You need to do this. Right. So yeah, it's like you said, Thomas, that idea of fate and the will of Eru mm-hmm. and stuff where Gandalf is in many ways an instrument of the will of Eru, you know, acting in Middle Earth. Right. And I, and I think the dwarves, like, it's, it's funny too, because throughout this movie, you, uh, they really highlight the fact that Gandalf is not there when he needs to be. 
uh-huh. <laughs> and they're really good at bringing that out. Like in, in the book, The Hobbit, it's kind of like there's these natural spots where Gandalf's just gone for whatever reason. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. OK. But in this movie, it's like very clear, like Gandalf's like, yep, OK, you're on your own now. Bye. See you. Bye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or they'll say, where is that dreaded wizard? You know, right. like, you know, and he he can apparently appear in this movie. He can appear and disappear at will, which I thought was interesting. If Shadowfax moves fast enough, that, that's my that's right. That's, that's my theory here. <laughs> he's just like he's just grabbing his reins and like flying off with it. <laughs> and speaking of the dwarves, by the way, before I forget, uh, they mentioned like like almost half the dwarves die in yeah. the in the Battle of Five. In the book, it's just Thorin and Feely and Keeley mm-hmm. who die, but they kill a bunch of others off screen in this one. <laughs> I was I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Okay, it was seemed unnecessary, but they killed, they killed Bomber. It was like, man, what what did Bomber do to you? Yeah, Seriously, he drops dead in front of Bilba. <laughs> At first, I just thought, oh, he faint, he swooned, mm-hmm. he faint. But then the, a second later, Gandalf's like, oh, he's dead. I'm like, what? No, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> You won't kill you won't kill any of the the nasties, but you're just gonna like murder all the dwarves right there at the yeah, end. Good job. Right. <laughs> I, and that. I think that the one subplot that I was really surprised that they cut was the Arkenstone subplot. Hmm. That's completely gone. Mm-hmm. And and it, the the ending feels a little rushed. The ending is like the the Battle of Five Armies is in the last ten minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like we I'm like we don't have that much time here and. He left and we haven't gotten to the Arkenstone bit. And I'm like, oh, they're not even going to do it. OK, like, do you think this movie like. Was cut down for like budget reasons, like that in an earlier script, it was longer, but. Well, it, it was a TV special, so they probably had to fit it into oh. a certain length of time. Um, yeah, you see, you yeah. see the commercial breaks like as you're going that, through the movie. There's true. like, <laughs> yeah, you see where the commercials spot. go in. <laughs> So we started calling him later in the movie. We're like, oh, commercial break. Commercial. <laughs> yeah. Commercial. It'd be funny um, if someone had an original like recording somewhere and you could see what commercials they they aired. Oh, back in. that would be really interesting. <laughs> From 1977. Oh, yeah. my gosh. If, if any of our listeners know or have that something like that or know, right. remember seeing commercials, let us know what, you, what commercials. What commercials are. accompanied <laughs> this movie. Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be really interesting, actually, like knowing what, what it was. It was. And this was an age just slightly before they started like uh making toys for everything that they right. put on tv so right you know nothing came well, out that, for this well it's funny same year star wars started that mm-hmm. yeah. we gotta make toys for everything you know <laughs> uh, but i tell you i like the, the the some of the stuff i like about this one too is the the design like um smog is so unique like very not your typical dragon at all. I he's love his the, big floppy ears. It's uh-huh. great. <laughs> That's like my kids are like, he's like a cat dragon. This yeah. is awesome. <laughs> well, I liked his the eyes were like like headlights. Like you mm-hmm. could kind of see which was interesting. You could kind of see where he was trying to look and it was almost a sense of like the dragon's gaze, like maybe like a serpent right. can kind of charm, you know, maybe like charm he thinks he can charm Bilbo into giving up the or into you know giving up everything so oh in the book they mentioned that that like he can do that Mm -hmm. okay although it was funny at first i wasn't really into smaug's uh uh voice actor's portrayal because he seemed like at first he was like very bored and like phoning it in but then Mm -hmm. i'm like 
Wait, but he's Smaug, though. He's, he's, he's a dragon. <laughs> and he's been sitting on this gold for, like, forever. And he's like, huh, what? Yeah, okay, bur- burglar, where are you? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, he would be bored after all this time. He's been doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it fits so perfectly, because it's just like, you know, he's, yeah, he's just, he's just a dragon. It's not that he's, like, this cataclysmic terror. He is, because that's just what he is. But at the same time, he's just a dragon. And it's it's such a brilliant portrayal yeah. in such a weird way, because I and I think that, uh, you know, Cumberbatch doing it in the um, the Peter Jackson films is, is interesting because he brings this kind of austerity to it where, mm-hmm. you know, you get the sense of but it, you get the sense of him being royalty almost. But that's not what dragons were. Dragons were just a destructive force. Like they didn't care about the treasure they sat on. It was theirs. Yeah. But they didn't care. They didn't they didn't use it to become kings. They didn't care about lording over anybody nearby them. Uh, they were just pure chaos. That's all they were in Tolkien's mm. works. And it's not until a lot later with some of the Dungeons and Dragons um, and, and some of the, the later fiction around dragons that you get dragons being worshipped as gods and mm. uh, being seen as something that dragon lands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, where, where there's they take this. Uh, this lordship seriously and they they uh accept praise and and worship these dragons don't care about that they just want the horde and to sit on it that's it that's it's their and, nest and when, yeah it. when you realize that tolkien's dragons are very much norse and anglo-saxon dragons like from beowulf mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense because all those dry those dragons are very lazy they just sit on their gold and do nothing until a knight happens along who they'll roast and then eat and then go back to sleep on their gold. <laughs> they don't exactly. care. So I do like uh, Andy Serkis's portrayal of Smaug in the Hobbit audiobook, though. Mm. I think he does a very good job. It he he's clearly trying to do the Benedict Cumberbatch version, but it's still his own. Mm. And I I think that it's a nice combination of. Andy Circus putting his own bit into it and also the Benedict Cumberbatch Smaug. So th- th- I like that we have different portrayals of these characters now, whether in the, the audiobooks or on screen and all the different adaptations. It's it's great. I, I like that. Because each one each actor brings his own thing to the character. And Gandalf too in this. I, I liked Gandalf a lot. <laughs> that's, that's where I was gonna go too. Is like the yeah. Gandalf in this one is just very he's very neat. And and I like it's it's different than um than McKellen's uh Gandalf, which is mm-hmm. much more playful and kind of uh almost giddy at times, uh which I, I love. That 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 is probably my favorite portrayal of Gandalf, is just this very kind of childlike sense of the world um but but this one's very interesting and i his first appearance in this movie is so cool when it's like the the tendrils of smoke coming out of bilbo's pipe and then all of a sudden there's this discordant note and wow there is gandalf there he is yeah <laughs> and like isn't there like thunder and lightning in the background at one point when he's talking <laughs> so, to bilbo yeah. i was like what <laughs> Yeah, it's very grumpy and very like you're gonna have to figure this out yourselves i have to go do whatever i have you know, yeah, like also very, very like business like he's like, OK, you guys got to get your act together and figure this out because I got stuff to do by, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> he's gone. Well, and I thought it was an interesting choice, too, to make him the narrator. Uh, so it's the same voice actor that's narrating the story that is also Gandalf up until the point at which he tells Bilbo to take over and then Bilbo starts 
right. narrating from there, right. which is really neat because that's kind of the same sort of thing happens uh, with The Hobbit. And that's what ends up becoming the the Red Book and creating the story in the end is that uh, Bilbo starts writing the tale of his journey and then it gets carried on down through Frodo and eventually Sam and then so on and so forth. Right. Oh, it just occurred to me, too. We mentioned before the Wood Elves. What sort of accent is the Elven King <laughs> trying to pull off there? I'm like, it's not quite German. It's not really French. Is it Polish? Like, I, I couldn't decide what kind of accent that was. It's the sort of odd Swedish thing that he's got going on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Vague, vague West European. Yeah. Undefined. Mm-hmm. Vaguely undefined. Although... When I, when I saw in the X-ray on, on Amazon where they give like the facts about the movie while it's playing, I saw who that guy's actor was and the name was familiar for the Elven King. And now now I can't remember. Now it's completely escaping me. But uh, yeah, like, Otto like Priminger. Said, yeah. That, yeah, it was yeah. Otto Priminger. I was like, uh-huh. really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, OK. <laughs> Which you're like, hold on. That's not <laughs> I was expecting something very different here. But yeah, it it. it, it he, yeah and it's i don't know it was a good choice it, it gives him mm-hmm. a very a very other feel like everybody yeah. else is is speaking as more lingua franca and the elves are very different and that that was good that was kind of a clear uh clear way to just kind of set him off by himself i think the, the, the goblins are very um i don't know what they remind me of but I like that they're distinctive. They're not like any other. If if you're used to orcs from like anything else you've seen of Tolkien, like be prepared. This is not, for, them. This is not them. Yeah. Well, they have like the two throats. That's so cool. Like, oh, it's such yeah, a weird, yeah. Weird discordant thing with these big, broad faces. And um, and they look like giant frogs almost like. Yeah. So, and almost that, like frogs. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it like. I don't know. It was, it's really cool. And then the great one is uh, the the whole scene in the the throne room with them is is really neat because you get this sense of them yeah. being like their own faction. And I even more so than I think Tolkien ever gave them. I don't feel like Tolkien ever gave them this sense of being their own, uh, like having their own kingdoms beyond just that one instance where we have the uh, the the Goblin King in the Hobbit. Because later in the Lord of the Rings, you really just get this feeling that they're all kind of chaotic and sub- subordinate to some ruler like Saruman or Sauron, mm-hmm. but that they don't have their own hierarchy and structure, uh, which I, I think is really neat because th- th- and this is the most you get that feel in, I, I think, in any of the representations that we've had, uh, because even even in um, Jackson's uh, movies, they're they're like roving bands. They're like bandits, you know, more than they are. Right. Uh, their own, you know, kingdom that's being represented. Yeah. I, I thought that was interesting. I like the idea that there's this goblin king guy. And I, it's like, and I, I, I realized that in, in the Jackson version, he want to simplify things. He wanted to make the goblins very, a very distinct subspecies of orcs so that you mm-hmm. recognize them. So they're like these little, monstrosities except for the big guy the 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 king goblin (laughs) who's really huge and yeah in this like yeah i like that again he's distinctive you recognize him as the goblin king i like that you know he's like 
Yeah, he, he, he's he's they, they kept a lot of the great lines of the Goblin King from the book, like who are these miserable persons mm-hmm. and, or <laughs> murderers and elf friends, you know, like, it's just great. And of course, he does his spinning into oblivion thing when when <laughs> Glamdring gets him, which is, uh, is great. I love how this always like tickles me when uh, whoever it is, that's car- I think it's Bomber who's carrying Bilbo and Bilbo falls down into the pit and he's just like, Bilbo, he's gone. That's right. <laughs> commercial. And then it goes to commercial. <laughs> yeah, there's so many like it, it's a fun movie. If, if you've never seen it before, you're 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 going to find a lot to like about it. Although I, I admit towards in like kind of the third act, it it seemed to slow down, da- it slowed down a little for me, like it seemed to be taking longer than it should, even though I knew the movie was only just a little over an hour. I'm like, why does it feel like, I don't know if either of you had the same experience, but I'm like, why does it feel like it's things are taking longer to move than they should? I felt like toward the end, it, it went really fast. Like you said, the battle oh, towards the armies. very end. Yes. But like, but yeah. even so leading after, you know, Bilbo after they're in the mountain and Smaug flies out. I liked how the, <laughs> The thrush is the one that tells Bard because Bard can speak bird in this. Um, right. Oh, that's in the book. Oh, is yeah. it? Okay. Yeah. I, I like it's been a while. Okay. I, I noted that because I was like, I don't remember that if Bard can because I'm again, I'm most familiar. I've seen the movies more than I've read the books probably, but I don't remember that. But that's um, that's a throw across to um uh to Tolkien's origins with the uh the Scandinavian tales and um okay. the, the battles with dragons there. Uh, the, a lot of times that's the way it would work is that nature would tell the uh the the warrior how to defeat the dragon okay and, uh, yeah, it make, and it was commonly a bird that would tell him yeah it makes sense but even but bard is like really he what <laughs> it's like lassie the kids he's in timmy's in the well like, yeah. it was very it was very much like that um, yes. and i live peter jackson seemed to also take from this movie the the slight change from the book that it's one of Smaug's scales that's missing mm-hmm. instead of a bear patch from in the book. From the gold. He, yeah, he's got gold and gems that are stuck to him and mm-hmm. he's got a bear patch. So, yeah, that, I, again, they're, they're trying to simplify things. But, yeah, I don't know. That just seemed like that, that's just a weird change. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's not like you have to change that for time, like. Did they not want? Did they not think that would look cool? Or they like, yeah, having all the visually show it, especially after they spent so much time like making these incredible looking artifacts. Because when they're right. showing like all the swords and and the goblets and everything the dwarves were forging, that was neat. Yeah, yeah, all the swords are very or like Glamdring and Orcrist are very ornate. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that they kept that in this that they can glow because mm-hmm. I, I it always bothered me that like in. In the Peter Jackson movies, Glamdring doesn't glow, even though it mm. should. Mm-hmm. The, the, only Sting glows blue in the Jackson movies. I never understood that. I'm like, you know, the, the other swords that are made in Gondolin can glow. And <laughs> Well, it's that was probably just because they wanted it to stand out and mm. be more dramatic if when for the big reveal of Bilbo or of, of Frodo pulling the sword out and seeing the 
the scene that Glow and oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. In, uh, not Helm's Speed. Uh, There's also probably some worry about becoming lightsaberish <laughs> with the, the oh, glowing blades and, yeah. and fighting. Which you can look up edits of that on YouTube where they've <laughs> yep. where they've edited oh, lightsabers. I've seen those, to, yeah. <laughs> or to, that um that one artist who who drew Aragorn and Boromir and all the others with lightsabers. I really mm-hmm. need to get that poster for my room. But it, <laughs> but yeah, like. And again, Star Wars, this was 1977. <laughs> this yep, there you go. <laughs> Same time period. <laughs> Same time period. Well, but the, the interesting thing, though, in here is that um, Stink seems to glow all the stinking time. Like it's. Oh, it, yeah. Every time yeah. he's got it out, it's glowing. And um, well, it, how like, else is it going to make the sparkles? Right. <laughs> so to guide his way through the through the paths. But it's, you know, it's only supposed to they're only supposed to glow when they're in the presence of orcs, orcs. specifically mm-hmm. like it's specifically that um and you know there's been a lot of debate about whether it's in the presence of evil or not but it, even if you were around sauron if you drew your blade and there were no orcs around theoretically it wouldn't glow <laughs> it's not right. what it was made to do <laughs> right just an orc detector exactly <laughs> pretty much where if you're elves in the first age and especially since they're supposed to be made in gondolin and you're a city that's trying to hide you want to know if there are orcs around because that means you, the jig is up mm-hmm. and you've been found. So I, I like that he was when Tolkien was writing The Hobbit, he still had all this first age stuff in the back of his mind. Yep. And he sprinkles little bits of it into The Hobbit. I, actually, though, I he in one I, th- I don't know if it's in one of the letters or in one of his essays where he's like that kind of happened against my will. He's like, I didn't want the Hobbit to be part of the larger legendarium, but it just became that way. (laughs) I couldn't keep the legendarium out. And apparently he said he only kept Farmer Giles of Ham out of the legendarium with difficulty. He said so that story might have. uh, And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. (laughs) Uh, It's funny because like, uh, yeah. Yeah, he he shows up in a lot of uh, people who make fan stuff. He shows up a lot in the fan stuff they make. Farmer Giles? Yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> he, does. he shows up in a Lord of the Rings fan fiction. Yeah, I well, can see that. Though. It's uh, uh, one of the roguelikes, one of the original roguelike games. It's called um, Angband, and it's all very loosely legendarium stuff but um yeah he shows oh. up in there <laughs> and it's it's uh, a couple of different farmers from the uh from the legendarium show up in there oh okay <laughs> i see the, and they're like oh, part of the npc he... stuff that's going on but yeah i i i think that um oh and and thomas i before i forget how so how, how did your kids like the movie they oh, loved wow. it they thought it was great um my it's it's one of those like Rankin bass is interesting because it can be kind of scary uh, in a way that uh, a lot of like modern, like cleaner. I think it's something about the the cragginess and the, the stark contrast, like I was talking about with the background stuff, makes it a little more intense. Um, but even yeah, even my three year old was sitting through this one and was was fine with it. She really enjoyed it. She thought it was a lot of fun. That's cool. They, yeah. they love the dwarves. They they absolutely love just oh, from the yeah. very get go. They love the dwarves. So uh, yeah, they're, they're very like some of them. I wouldn't exactly call them cute, but they've got character. Mm-hmm. You know, they they definitely have character, and and you could tell like that they were the characters that they put kind of the most trouble into designing because yep. like and 
and because like Bard is like bland human guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like although Gandalf was very well designed, I like his I liked his design. I liked how everybody has a very distinctive nose in this. If you forget yes. which dwarf is which, just look at their nose and you're like, oh okay. Follows the nose. True. I, I like the one dwarf, I don't know which one it is, but who has a scarf over his face through the whole movie. Do you notice that? Yep. Uh, oh, which one was he? Um, was that Nori? It might have been I th- Nori. I think it was Nori. Yeah, because all the rest of them ha- kind of have to fit, uh, you know, a theme. Like there's the the twins, and then the triplets, and then there's mm-hmm. uh, different Boffer, and then Bomber's his own thing. So yeah, it had to have been well, Dory, Nori, and Nori, right? There's the three. Right. Of them, so I don't know. I did like you know in the Peter Jackson movies that they tried to make each of the dwarves distinctive. Mm-hmm. And have something about them where you could e- instantly recognize who it was. And they gave them little things which, like, there's no basis for it in the books, for, but I thought it was interesting. Like, I love how Biffer has a speech impediment mm-hmm. in the Jackson movie. He's got that, it's like an axe head coming in. So he has a traumatic head injury. <laughs> and all he can do is grunt. And he comes up to get at the party at Bilbo's house. He comes up to Gandalf. He just starts grunting and Gandalf's like, you're quite right. Biffer. And, <laughs> and I'm like, good. I'm like, yeah, give them something to do. Cause I'll in, in the book, a lot of the dwarves are just a Greek chorus and they don't right. get anything to do, you know, really Balin and Bomber besides Thorin get the most to do in the book mm-hmm. and everybody else just kind of fades into the background. It's so, a lot of characters to juggle, and yeah. um, <laughs> you know, you, and they're all—they're not that wildly different, if we're honest. They're all dwarves, right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're all, they're all dwarves. Yeah, they're all like gold, and uh, <laughs> I like how uh, one other small thing—you know—the mithril coat is gone. Instead, mm-hmm. they give Bilbo like a full like cuirass of armor to put on. Right. <laughs> that was kind of funny. He's just like, I really don't want to do this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but but I like that they I like that they run the morals down too. like that's mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we were talking about in my house, especially with my uh, film critic kids. Uh, they were they were surprised at, at how concise the movie was, but not in a way that it was like you felt like they had missed a theme of the movie like they really are right. of, the, of the story they really caught the themes of the story really well in very very short uh spurts uh without making it feel like they were hitting you upside the head with much yes. i mean there were there were some points where they were obviously narrating pieces of it but uh it wasn't bad it wasn't like it felt overbearing or like here's a narration dump so that you understand where we are i was wondering if and it didn't happen that i thought that since this was 1977, this is just after the close of the Vietnam War. I'm like, mm. they're going to be very heavy handed with the anti-war stuff at the end, which you could see, which you could guess that they might. because It's the Battle of Five Armies. It's kind of mm-hmm. a pointless battle. that doesn't have to happen. But they didn't go there. They didn't really do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the like only they, thing Bilbo just kind of said, Dart Thorin, you know, don't you don't have to do this. Give yeah. the men, mm-hmm. give the men what they're owed and. And how he's like, I don't really understand. And how Thorin is just like, well, you, you don't understand war. That's why. And then at the end, he um, when he's on his deathbed, he's, he says to Bilbo, you're the one who really understood. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. And I, yeah. I thought that was that was good. That that was tasteful. It wasn't really, a, you know, they didn't 
linger on it too long. It's there's just enough there there so that you're like, okay, yeah, I get where they're what they're trying to communicate here. Better than a modern version of it would have done that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, you can make your point without having to be uh, and trust trust your audience. I think that's right. that's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because it's a it's a kids movie, <laughs> right? Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. So did did you guys have have any other uh, stuff about the Hobbit nineteen seventy seven that you wanted to pitch in before we kind of wrap things up? There are two more of these. Are we're going to yes. have to cover them at some point? Oh yeah, we will. Yes, we will. And. Yeah, and I, I've seen both of them. I've seen The Lord of the Rings and The Return of the King. I, I remember so that'll be that'll be interesting when we when we nice. Do. I remember more about The Lord of the Rings one, The Return mm-hmm. of the King. The only two things I really remember it from it are the "Where There's a Whip, There's a Way" song uh-huh. yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, the hilarious uh, Witch King. In that one. Oh yeah. Oh, he's like, he talks yeah. like this. It's really funny, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do not come between. He sounds like Skeletor. <laughs> you know, like it's with very odd choices were made, or, or maybe, but it Mumra. <laughs> I, well, Mumra and Skeletor aren't they really basically the same, <laughs> the same character? character. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think. Um, yeah, oh man, I forgot about that because the Witch King's supposed to be really, really terrifying, and this one you're just kind of like, seriously. <laughs> Do not come yeah. between the Nazgul and his prey, and I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> Even that, it's really funny. I th- the clip must be on YouTube, guys. If you haven't seen the Witch King from the animated Return of the King, look it up. It's pretty funny. I, I think they they dive really heavily into the rotoscoping in um in the uh the next two where it's like yes, there's yeah. like some mostly silhouettes with like like you know glowing eyes and all this weird kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So like the aesthetic, at least of the goblins and some yeah. of the dark things, changes dramatically over the next couple of movies, which is a really interesting choice i'm surprised and and, and that th- this is why i think a lot of people separate the two as being yeah. one rankin uh, bass and one bashki uh but but they are by the same studio like technically speaking they are <laughs> continuations of the same um of the of the same attempt to kind of capture the lord of the rings in an animated uh version and i, I like i do remember from the next one how the balrog is a lot more book accurate mm-hmm Yes. Yeah. He's only about like 12 feet tall, which is kind of like what they described from the book. Doesn't have wings to the best of my knowledge. And it, but it, and it's just more like if you're, if you're used to what Balrogs have to look like now because of the Peter Jackson one, you'll be surprised at seeing a different in, interpretation of that. Yeah. No, we should definitely. Yeah. And it, although going from this one to the Bash Key one is kind of a, the, the break in animation style is very uh it, it's very sudden you know you're just like wait what yeah. now this look- i actually mm-hmm. like the bashki animation style better for, j- just for like a lord of the rings adaptation yeah. like for, I, for the for, for, for the hobbit yeah. i liked i liked this style mm-hmm. for the hobbit but for the lord of the rings i felt that the the animation style of the next film was more appropriate and then the Return of the King, they kind of go back 
yeah for the hobbit <laughs> animation style just... and Gollum looks the same and but yeah, yeah no we will definitely have to talk about the the other two all right because That's yeah the... no we we're doing that that, that is yeah. going on the schedule well the, for what i was i was just quickly reading the the lord of the rings film the animated was uh was bakshi and then rankin and bass did return of the king um I don't know if we were mixed up. But it's that, like the but... same over studio yeah. or yeah. something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, I just mean you have the like the different creatives kind of involved in charge. And right. I don't think I have I've seen clips of the of those. Um, but I think the I don't know that I think Bakshi wasn't like I think it, it he the fan reaction wasn't great when it came out. So oh. he kind of didn't want to really make another one. It's that rotoscoping man. which one is it where there's uh, they animated aragorn like tripping over his sword because the actor that they animated it from didn't so they just left it in the huh. animation I, that's probably uh, the that's probably that one because that's where the rotoscoping okay. comes in where they just kind of draw over like they, they have live okay. action reference and then they just draw over the live yeah. action reference and one of them yeah there's it's a fam- pretty famous meme that he's tripping over his sword and because that's what the actor did, and they just drew over it. <laughs> wow! And yeah. it made the made the cut. <laughs> so, Jeff, did you have any uh, <laughs> any other moments you wanted to to bring out of the the no, Hobbit? Yeah, no specific moments. I I mean, it was a fun. If you've never seen it before, like myself, I definitely recommend watching it. If you're if you're a fan of the of that, so um, yeah, definitely recommend giving it a shot and not I'll, I'll i want to revisit it because yeah being my first time I, I don't have the childhood attachment to it but now that we've kind of talked through it i definitely want to check it out again and i did happen to look up and see there's the 11 minute still uh thing we were talking about of the hobbit that was before yeah. this one is on youtube so maybe we can oh, include, oh, that, in the, okay. include, include that in the show notes Very if anybody's cool. right. uh, i might go watch it too because it it seems like it might be just kind of funny. I don't think we'll do an episode on it because <laughs> it's not long enough. But we might but, we might talk about it as like a segment. Yeah. But like oh, and I, I I just remembered. There's the very moralizing song from the beginning that returns as a motif throughout the whole movie. Mm. Yeah, I like. I, it's I, I'm surprised at it too, though, because they didn't take the um the road goes ever on and make it into a song which was kind of disappointing like they almost start it like there's like a a spot in the middle where they almost start the song and then it's like Bilbo's song from the (laughs) from the end of the Hobbit book but it's not the road goes ever on it's Bilbo's other song and I was like yeah they didn't have yeah but uh although I have seen covers uh, apparently people like this song that is in the beginning it's called uh what is it called? The, the Last Great Adventure or something mm-hmm. like that. But it, I've seen uh, covers of it on YouTube. So apparently there is there is some fondness for this song. Huh. I mean, to check keep, that out. It keeps reappearing through the whole. Yeah. The, the YouTube channel uh, Clamavi de Profundis has a, a cover of it, which is very nice. They do a lot of great Lord of the Rings covers, by the way. So Gee. if you've never listened to those guys before, they're on YouTube and Spotify and they they do a fantastic, they have Aragorn's, I was just listening this evening to, they do Aragorn's coronation song. You know, oh, he, he does the, the, the oath of Elendil. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that, that, that was great. Yeah. Very cool. Just while we're talking about covers of songs, Peter Holland on uh, YouTube also does a lot of Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. or, you know, from the, from the films, but he, he does some pretty cool um, acapella, like where he's doing all the parts of it, but acapella. So mm. Um, Peter Holland on YouTube. Yeah, that's a good call. I like that one. 
And speaking of YouTube, we, we actually got feedback for our Gollum episode, both from from YouTube. A uh, friend of the show, Paul Leon, says, great episode. I won't go far. I won't go so far as to say Gollum is the secret hero of Lord of the Rings, but he's definitely an interesting character. I liked the discussion that that episode generated. It, 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 was, it was fun. I told you, told you I had a hot take. I, yeah, no, and I, I, I really like. Someone needs to write that story of of Gollum, where you know, like all from the Gollum's perspective. Perspective, he's Gollum's yeah. Hero. He, Gollum the hero. He's his own. He's the hero of his own story. <laughs> I think Paul's a writer, so maybe Paul, that could be something. You hey, can, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, Paul is. Yeah, Paul. Like, if 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 you ever want to do more Lord of the Rings stuff, try uh try some writing something from Gollum's perspective. It might, it might be, be like fun. A, like a one act play or like a, a model. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be an interesting one act play, actually. Um, and also Ben writes on YouTube. I don't think I'll play the game. He's referring to the Gollum video game, <laughs> but I really like the Gollum discussion. I've read slash listened to the books maybe a hundred times and there were new insights in this episode, which was surprising. Yeah. I've also, I've, I've, yes, I've listened (laughs) to the books more times than I could count. Oh, and, and brief update. Apparently the, the studio that made the game has shuttered. Oh no. (laughs) They are. Yeah. I think I heard that. Yeah. That this game just killed them, (laughs) which is unfortunate. Yeah, especially since they were they were teasing like I was a rumor that they were teasing a Blue Wizards game hmm. or something like that. And, but now it's never going to get made because right. the, the studio doesn't exist anymore, which is sad. But yeah, um, we'll we will definitely have. And thanks, guys, for for all the feedback. Uh, keep it coming. We love engaging with you guys on YouTube and Discord and all the other places where you can send us feedback. And we'll we'll definitely talk about the the other two movies in the future. Although I believe for our our next discussion, we're actually planning to talk about, and this I think this is long overdue, the One Ring itself, mm-hmm. because there is so much interesting stuff, both you know from a story perspective and philosophically, to talk about the One Ring. I even read a book once where a guy tried to explain the one ring's powers from a quantum mechanics perspective. <laughs> I don't oh, okay. remember. That interesting. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember much about it. Other than that, I was like, this seems to be over explaining things, but it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, it's called, I don't know if it's still in print. I just remembered the title. It's called the science of middle earth and it may not be in print anymore, but I remember reading it years ago. And then I, ha- I think I have a version that's still on my Kindle. But yeah, no, we, we are going to talk about the One Ring, and I, I can't wait for the discussion that is generated around that. So stay tuned for next time, guys. But that's it for this episode of The Secrets of Middle-Earth, and we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make this show possible, including uh, Nusha M., Nate F., David V., Mardell B., and Felix L. Their generous donations at sqpn.com give Help us to continue to create the secrets of Middle-Earth and all our shows here at StarQuest. And you can join them at sqpn.com slash give. And again, we'd love to hear feedback from you guys. What did you think of the 1977 animated Hobbit movie? You can let us know at sqpn.com slash Middle-Earth on our Facebook page or on Twitter. 
or you can send us an email at middleearth at sqpn.com or visit our channel on the StarQuest Discord server at sqpn.com slash discord. Until then, Thomas Sanherho, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Middle Earth. It's been great. And Jeff Hecker, thank you as well. Thanks, Thomas. And once again, I'm Thomas Salerno. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Middle Earth right here on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Stargate. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash stargate.